Guys, good Wednesday morning. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to connect with you through this network, the Island of Seville Network. Today's show, Real Talk with Keith Smith, presented by Ross Mortgage. Scott Morse, our friend, a guy we've gotten to know outside of business. And that time of getting to know him, you get a glimpse of his character and how hard he works for not only team members on his branch, but the customers that make his branch successful. Dude goes balls to the wall, and I sincerely mean that. Scott Morris, branch leader, branch manager, North Carolina, Virginia, D.C., and Pennsylvania. With a territory like that, you got a pretty damn good feel on how the market is doing. Judah Wickhauer is the director. Let's welcome Mr. Morris to the program. Keith Smith is doing a keynote speech in Virginia Beach on real estate. He returns on Friday, and on Friday's show, the mayor, Lloyd Snook, will be in attendance. Still, today's show, Scott in the house. Um, where do you want to begin? Uh, good morning. Uh, you know, dude, I don't know. There's so much going on right now. This is such a wild week when it comes to all the things that are happening in, in regards to the market. Uh, we had CPI um, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we got uh, PPI and it came out this morning at 8.30. We got uh, the Fed decision at 2.30 on rates. We got the Fed talk at 3 o'clock. Um, it's, uh, you know... You know, plus, then you've got what's actually happening in the world, um, as opposed to uh, what the the forecasters and the investors, um, and I mean like the large investors, your your uh, Goldman Sachs that uh, are, are truly affecting uh, how the bond market operates. Uh, you know, uh, it's there's a lot happening. I got okie doked myself a little bit yesterday. We got some uh, some good news, and uh, I, I, I posted this is great for mortgage rates. And 30 minutes later, I was eating my words, and I was like, man, it's 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 tough out there. Um, from a perspective of trying to live with your the things that you can't control. And what I mean by that is uh, we saw a 30 basis point increase based on the CPI numbers that came out, which were to be expected, which tells us that today is going to be a pause. Um, but what they've gotten away from is the... they stopped, The Fed stopped using pause and they started using skip, meaning that... And that's what they should have been using all along in order to control the market as opposed to saying pause, which led speculation that there would be a string of decreases in rate down the road. And what we're seeing now with skip is likely going to be a continued pause. I don't see a July increase. Um, When I went to the you know, I was at the beach the, uh, this past week. Uh, there's a, a little place called Village Conery. And for the past two years, um, on a Friday night, from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, there's a line that strings in a zigzag out the door. There was not a single Friday, I was down there two Fridays, um, that or Saturday night, any of the times that they should be like just absolutely packed, that people were lining up to buy ice cream for their kids at, you know, $10 a pop, it, it's, it's, things are getting softer, and you can see it everywhere. Um, you see it in what you do with uh, small business sales and people who are trying to get out of some of the things that they got themselves into. I see it with, um, I see it with the uh, invoice, um, with the checks coming in when we invoice. Some clients, net 10, now 30 to 60 window, mm-hmm. and some clients that were the 30 to 60 window are now 90 to 120. 
and those that were on the cusp of me being like, dude, you can't pay me 90 days in a strong economy. Now I'm like picking up the phone and saying, we may have to assess what's going on. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this and I'll read this to you. I mentioned this to John Blair on um, LinkedIn. He's watching right now. Smart guy. Uh, I said, um, I'm curious of your take on this because I trust your opinion. I said, when it, we're, in a, we're in a bull market, right? We're in a bull market from a Wall Street standpoint. It's because they post these bogus. So they used to. Um, I'll say this. And I'll let you jump back. Please, on that. please. Unemployment numbers used to mean something, but they're self-reported. So the abuse of unemployment through COVID and the fraud that was related to that, investors no longer give that as a, they don't give respect to the number anymore. But they are given respect to these job opening postings from publicly traded corporations who inherently are your most like they're the let me say the people who are abusing the unemployment system. There was a ton of fraud there. It it screwed the numbers up. Um, But we know that corporations want to make their their numbers look better so that they can say, hey, the reason that we can't hit this is because we can't fulfill the labor side. But unemployment's steadily growing. It's steadily growing. And, pe- and this is where people fall off the rolls, and so many people don't qualify because they're trapped in the gig economy anyways. There is a huge part of the labor market that's being manipulated that should be affecting what we're seeing in the bond market that's just not. I agree um, with that. That married to what's happening with the M2 money supply had a 35% increase through the COVID process, and then now the tightening has taken the majority of that money off the table from the low-end service com- uh, uh, co- consumer. And what I mean by that is your consumer who makes less than $100,000 a year is already growing credit card debt and has given that money to the people who rake those funds, meaning corporations. Uh, there's, there's a ton of that money that's found its way into the system where it's not coming back out. So the, everything is a lot softer than what it's being given credit for currently in the bond market, currently by the Fed. I think we've reached a point to where not only have we seen the peak of inflation, uh, I I still unfortunately stand behind my there's a black swan event, it's only a matter of time, and we're not going to get a soft landing uh, as they would like us to be led to believe. I I agree with much of what you said here, much. Um, I want to throw... The dichotomy that I that, that seems to be out there. Um, you look at my no, just take mine. I don't want to. We won't. We won't talk exact dollars. Um, I'm going to go year to date. Anyone can go in their their holdings, their stock portfolio. They can click the year to date button and to see how things are going. Year to date, I'm up 53.6 percent. Year to date with my holdings. Do you own Tesla? I own a boatload of Tesla. I, I have NVIDIA. I have AMD. I have Apple. I so, have Meta. I have Microsoft. So they were a car company that's really a battery company. And then they were a car company that's really a tech company. Now they're a car company that's really an AI company. You just keep on – that can't make numbers off of their units. It's speculative nonsense. I, there's some truth to that. John actually talks about Tesla in his post. He said on 1-6, January of this year, January 6. Tesla traded at 101.81 a share. Today it's at 258.63. 
Um, yeah. That's 155% return on your money in five months. I own this. I respond by saying, I'm glad we both own this one. I say, want to know something crazy? We're undoubtedly in a bull market, but it does not necessarily feel that way on Main Street, Seaville, and Central Virginia. He agrees. He says he sees an economic malaise right now in this region. I wanted to throw this to you because it's the quintessential dichotomy of Main Street versus Wall Street. And I'm curious of how that is um, influencing at all your business is the guy or the gal that has a portfolio that's up 30, 50% this year more confident to do loans with you and buy cribs? Or is this still like an inventory pinch? There's not anything out there, so they're on the sidelines. That whole topic, anywhere you want to go on that, I'm curious what you have to say. We're talking about the paper tiger. We talk about it all the time. Like, sure, it's, it's real money. Uh, it's only real money when you cash it out. So it, that's great, but that's not helping the people who are trying to buy a $300,000 house. I had two conversations about that this morning. Um, the difficulty of trying to get into that 350 and below price point is is it's super painful. And that's for people who make $120,000 collectively as a household or less. And the, the inventory is not there to support it. Um, the inventory that is there has, you know, potentially a ton of problems. So, and what I mean by that is deferred maintenance, uh, legitimate things that, you know, if they, they ask for a home inspection, that they could get into it and they go, well, I don't want to deal with all of that um, because they can't afford to then go in and fix it after they've made down payment, paid closing costs and done everything to get to the end of the deal. Uh, that there's still a huge challenge and they don't own X amount of Tesla. Like they, these are, you know, teachers, nurses, police and fire. And maybe some of them do. I'm not saying that everybody... They're not marginalizing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But at the same time, what I'm saying is they're not going to... If they do, let's say they do, and they have to cash that out in order to then... And pay capital gains on it, and then to make the down payment... People do and that. Do, and people do that, yeah. but, then that, but then you've taken that off the table. They've lost... There's no long-term gain for them in, in that situation. So, so throw this to you. Then what do you attribute May being a jet rocket for your business? Um, ebbs and flows of the inventory market. Besides you being a badass leader. Um, you know. Because <laughs> you are. We do a good job at what we do. You know, one of the things I try to convey to all of my, any partner that I work with is, you know, we do so much up front that if you need to close in 14 to 21 days to win, let's go do that. Like, you're not going to get a bad letter. Um, if something happens, it's, you know, going to be related to uh, we've had everything from my parents are no longer giving me the money to uh, I, I somehow got involved in some fraud and someone got $4,000 removed from my account. And these are, and, but these are people who need that money in order to make these transactions happen. And we're not talking like lots and lots of money. We're talking four to $15,000 can, can totally upset the apple cart for those are the clients that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people who, uh, you know, they they were putting 20% down, but now they're only putting down 10 because they need to use the rest of the money to pay the appraisal gap. Like, those people are going to go buy a house in any situation. Well, is the business, and Philip Wilkerson the third is watching. Philip, he is the uh, the 
the prince of GMU, George Mason University. He is the, the, he is the social ambassador for Northern Virginia and Fairfax. Uh, he is an amazing human being, and I believe he went to JMU. He literally is saying, Scott, I love your show. He's put that in the feed right now. The business that you did in May, you said it was a red-hot month. Absolutely. How do you characterize the business? What level of the economic spectrum? Most of that book of business in that month. Probably an average price point of around $400,000. Okay. I, see, I, I would have thought otherwise. That's why I asked. So you're saying the average price point is four hundred k. So I could say a lot of first-time home buyers there. Absolutely. Okay. So then, then the theory that I have may, be, may not be right of the jet rocket on Wall Street with holdings and portfolios driving consumer confidence to jump in this game. You're, you're saying, and you got three states in, in the District of Columbia under your purview, that it's more entry right now. So look at the number of people who have been pushed out over time um, or said, I don't want to buy because rates are so high. And then they continue to see, well, if they're still high, but I'm paying rent. How do I get in this real estate game? How do I begin building some equity? Where do I start? And those are the people that, you know, that I find the most... Um, value in serving is going, look, you can spend another $30,000 paying rent to somebody that you're never going to get back. Or we can put some, you know, let's, let's look at how, you know, what's a minimum down payment get you so you can start building equity. And at some point in the future, you're going to be able to refinance this loan. You're going to have a lower payment. You're going to, the equity is going to be there. We're going to, you're going to be building something for yourself. Um, comments, put them in the feed. This is from an appraiser, Woody Fitchum. He said, I sat through an economics presentation last night, and the presenter seemed very, very optimistic. They de did a deep dive into housing. Wants me to bring that up with you. Are you as equally optimistic? Um, well, every... <sighs> if what I'm saying is true about the softening... That will be a benefit to housing in the very near future. And the reason for that is there's still going to be a ton of people who qualified at 3% who won't qualify at 5%. But I see us getting to that range. And as we get there, it will create more inventory for the people who do because it's going to be more advantageous to say, okay, I've got X number of hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity in this home, I can move from a 3% rate to a 5% rate, put this money down, take a minimum increase in payment because I'm now making a little more because we're seeing wage increases, and make that make sense, the fourth quarter or and first quarter of next year are going to look really, really good inventory-wise, in my opinion, compared to where we're at right oh, now. All right, so this, this right here is a legitimate sizzle reel right here. Um, Scott Morris, why do you think, you got a boatload of agents watching, why do you think Q4 and Q1, Q4 2023 and Q1 2024 are going to look way better from a depth of inventory? Because that's where we'll first see the biggest significant moves in rate from where we are right now. We'll, be, we'll have moved through the pause, uh, the skip, the language that's going on involved with the Fed. They'll either be projecting or starting cuts at that point. Um, rates will have moved consistently into the fives at that point, and that 
the, those people who are now sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity and trying to figure out what their next step is going to be are going to be talking to agents who they've been receiving mailers from, who they've been speaking to. They've, they're in circles, social circle, circles, work relationships about how they're going to get that house listed, and that's going to take people who are trying to get into the market and give them something to buy, and we're starting to see some construction happening in different pockets of different areas to where they'll have something to, to move up into. Scott Morris dropping knowledge here. Viewers and listeners, questions in the feed. I see them coming. Jonathan, why does Scott think a skip is the right term instead of a pause, and does he truly think there are no rate hikes on the horizon in 2023? I think that's skip. Good question. Because pause... Pause gives you the impression that, that we're, we're ready done. to do it right... Yeah. We're done. We're done. Yeah, hey, you, you know what, guys? Rip the Band-Aids off. Let's go, baby. There it is. There it Skip is. tells the markets, you guys better watch it. We're so we're considering gonna, it. We're going to step on that again. And, and it, it, it's what they need to keep inflation in check. And it's the language that they should have used to begin with instead of having to pivot back to it and create more tumultuous trading and... Instead of if they want the steady decline, then be more hawkish. Um, if you want things to be out of control, be more dovish. And they they learned that lesson. And I think that there still may be uh, another hike. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm saying it's becoming less probable. Um, Neil Williamson, uh, comment for Scott Morris. Neil Williamson's the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. Support the Free Enterprise Forum with donations. This guy is on the front lines at meetings where no one else is. Um, support this guy. So is Scott's equation lower interest rates equals increased housing inventory? Yes. And he wants you to unpack it. Um, so, which you did, but what, yeah. what, what I've been saying, and I've been saying for some time. If you're someone who's out there right now with a 3% interest rate who bought a house that was $500,000 that's now worth $750,000. Probably more than that, but go ahead. Yeah, you're just talking general. Go ahead. For the sake of this conversation. Yeah. Um, the purpose of this exercise. Uh, and you are now considering moving to another neighborhood, um, getting out of where you are to go to a different uh, jurisdiction for political, social, or uh, whatever reasons that you, you've decided you want to be somewhere else. Uh, That's a segue into Chris Fairchild's post. I've got to ask you about that. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. And how do you make sense of that when you're at a 3% rate and you would have to go to a 7% rate. And you go, I'm not doing that, period. I'm not doing it. All right, that's a legitimate thing to not do. Well, now rates are 5.5%. And, and you're like, well, shit, man, I got $300,000 in equity. I can now take and make that $800,000 property a $500,000 property. And there'd be no mortgage insurance like there was on my first loan. And the payment would only be $200 $400 more than what I'm paying now. And well, I'm making considerably more than I was seven years ago when I purchased this home. And you got a doper pad. And you got a, you know, you've got 
you know, maybe more, more property, you got more grass to cut, whatever it is that you want, you're getting out of this. And you're like, well, this, while this isn't what I, you know, if this is an ideal, but gosh, this, this is a, I've really liked the idea of this. People are more open to that and making that transition than they would be at the, in the current state. That's all I'm saying. And once that starts to happen, you're going to see more activity. Um, the follow on that question now on Spotify for you. So if rates are needed to drop for the inventory to uptick, what's the threshold they got to get to so we can start getting houses to buy? Thank you for that uh, question on Spotify from Jennifer. My opinion is sub 6%. If I think people can start seeing 5.75 as the norm, um, instead of these monthly and some stability people want to know the market likes it we like it people want to see the less risk from the time i list my house find the house and can lock a rate that things may not swing a full interest rate a full percentage point up or down um, in that time period. It's, it seems pretty fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some some stability, some or things trending in a certain direction, in a downward direction. If they go, okay, well, I like where things are now, and if they could be, an, if they could, if I could get five point six two five instead of five point seven five, well, that would be amazing. But you know what? If it's five point seven five, I'm already happy there. If if we're some stability, less volatility. Once we break 6%, I think really begins to open the door. Okay, she follows up. When is that time going to come? I believe it's going to be between fourth and first quarter of uh, fourth quarter this year, first quarter next year. There you go. He's, been, he's, he's stuck to that, guys, for pretty much the entire year. So I'll, I'll give him some props. Questions, put them in the feed. We'll relay them live on air. Fluvanna County, born. Fluvanna County born, have a ton of friends there. Straight up, um, straight up says on the show, country boy at heart. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, I'm just a dub redneck out here trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, straight up says it. Chris Fairchild's post, it's gone viral. We've amplified it. Uh, the, you if you move here, duh, yeah, yeah, don't make it. If you don't move, if you moved here from there, don't try to make here there. That the post? Yeah. Okay. I know you have a take on this. I mean, I do just like everything. That's like, uh, that's not, people don't say that here. People say that everywhere. Like, uh, you know, all the Californians who moved to Texas and Texas was like, you know, it's, it, that's the, the bottom line is Lake Monticello drives 90% of that conversation. Um, but not, Lake Monticello has been little New York for 30 years. So, you know, there's always been a little bit of, of, making there here like if you live in a gated community with 4,000 other people you don't you're 10,000 you okay 4,300 homes okay 40 yeah 4,000 home rooftops it's not like the people who live in Fork Union Scottsville um Palmyra the town not uh like in this and surrounding uh areas those are the people who are like dude just because you're not allowed to cut down a tree in your backyard without calling the HOA or you want to complain to your neighbors about where they leave their trash cans, please keep that BS out of our life. That's the problem. But when you get s- such a, a, a high contact of, of humans in one place, they're going to control a lot of the politics. They're going to control um, 
a lot of what happens throughout the area, and that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with the the volume that's in the lake, um, you know, overwhelming the rest of the, the county. Look at the, I mean, we're getting into like look at national politics, bro. Like, there's three cities in the in the United States who control a huge portion of the voting population. That's what you're seeing inside of a one little county in the center of the state. Um, Woody Fincham um, says that was quite a post by Chris Fairchild. With respect, gatekeeping the evolution of a community will not go well. Uh, that's but we're talking about local politics. I mean, Fairchild's the board of supervisor, Fluvanna yeah. County. He's yeah, got yeah. a lot of influence. Eight listings currently active in a forty-three hundred plus unit neighborhood. Eight of them in Lake Monticello. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know if you look at the MLS as much as I do. I'm on the MLS. I'd say anywhere between four and eight times a day. It's an addiction. There are two homes currently in Lake Monticello that are sub $300,000 and in decent condition. I would imagine these go fairly quickly. Um, just Four years ago, those houses were $180,000. It's bananas, dude. It's absolutely bananas. And the folks, I mean, you talk about, and you know, I, I'm hesitant to even bring it up, our situation. We got in in March 2020 of COVID at 7, and it's probably like 1-1 now, and it's a 275. And it's exactly what you were talking about. And my wife and I are like, what are we going to do with all this? And we can't find something. And this is at the top end of the spectrum here. But leg- legitimately want to do something, sit on the sidelines. Yeah. And then we talked about the delta of the monthly payment. It's astronomical but right now. But you talk now. about what you want to do. I mean, look at your scenario. Like, bro, you got little kids. You're in a neighborhood where eventually they can drive the golf cart yeah, to yeah. the pool. And they do Bicycle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and then they're going to have sports and events and all these things. So, you know, that's tough. And, and, and it's more like the people who are on the other side of you. So their kids, they're, they're just becoming empty nesters. Uh, they either, they may want to upgrade for vanity or they want to downgrade for less stuff to deal with. And I think that's where a lot of that inventory churn starts to come from. Woody says the needs of many should outweigh the desires of a few. Um, you have multiple folks in Fluvanna um, saying they're grateful for bringing this topic up with you. Um, this topic is obviously obviously resonated with a lot of um, it's flucos, right? Someone that in Fluvanna is a fluco, right? That's the mascot of Fluvanna yeah, County High is. School. In the 1950s, there was a radio commentator who got tired of saying the Fluvanta County boys, so he just switched to those fluco boys, and it stuck. They adopted it, and then they got a flying shoe as a mascot. Um, this question's come in. How about he comments to how the demographic of Fluvanna has changed in his lifetime from Brian, who lives in Lake Monticello? I mean, you've seen it firsthand. Uh, I'll ask. I'll, how about I'll ask the thread this. Somebody can comment, and uh, that'll help uh, me answer it. Well, and we'll jump on something else real quick. How many people? What, what was the size of the graduating class of Fluvanna County High School this year? Uh, if anybody knows that, I'd love to know the answer to could, that. Could you find that? Twenty twenty three Fluvanna County High School graduation size. Um, I would think that would be something we can find. Or parents watching the program, Woody, um, if you can jump in, any of the parents, let us know. Stephanie, if you know that um, as well. Um, and why, what are you going to attribute that to? From when you were growing up, you're going to say it was 50% smaller potentially? I don't know. Let's, let's see what yeah. the answer is. Um, and but we'll, you would and we'll imagine it would be a lot less, right? A lot less. Yeah. Um, t- uh, Fluvanna County High School 2.0, though, was built to accommodate that demand. Oh, sure, because, I mean, even at the, the middle school level for years, they were just sticking trailers outside and, you know, trying to accommodate the growth of the county. And yeah. the, the, 
the growth of the county that was never managed well, that they let Louisa take uh, the bulk of the they from utilities, the water, um, infrastructure. Com- yeah, they 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 planned it out. They took the money, and we Fluvanna relied on uh, utility sources uh, that gradually have have changed and declined and. I don't know. Anyways, I've got some opinions on that. I know you do. 20 That's, years running. So. One, of my, one of my favorite things about Scott is Scott always has a take. Um, he's always got a good take. Did you get that data? Are you looking for that yeah, data? Yeah, but you know. Still opinions little. are like... <laughs> but as, as a guy who's a moderator of a talk show, you want someone who has takes. Fair. Okay. Uh, Neil says, for what it's worth, each of Almore County's Board of Supervisor districts include development area and rural areas. The population density of the development areas outweighs rural areas politically. As an example, win Crozet and you win the Whitehall District. Another example is the Scottsville District in Almoro County. There's three voting blocks in the Scottsville District of Almoro County if you want to pursue a spot on the Board of Supervisors. You have 845 homes in Glenmore. You have the Mill Creek voting block. And you have the Scottsville Town voting block. The town of Scottsville leans right. The Mill Creek voting block is in the urban ring of Charlottesville, and that leans very, very left. So if an independent or someone that has maybe right-leaning tendencies or small business tendencies, like yours truly, wanted to win a spot on the Board of Supervisors, he would have to carry Scottsville, town of Scottsville. He would have to carry Glenmore, the neighborhood, and and he would not get crushed in Mill Creek. That's one of the reasons you've seen a lot of D's on the board in Scottsville, because that equation is very difficult to operate. Neil Williamson, I appreciate that. Any luck with that number, Judah? Uh, just the total number of students is, uh, I've got 1455. Okay, so just rule of thumb, back of the napkin. Scott, I think we can do this. 1455 in Fluvanna High School. Divide that by four. I think that's fair to say. It's a rough estimate. 364 in the graduating class. Okay, that's double the size of the graduating class uh, for you. For me. And w- can I ask the year? We want to keep that on the DL. 1997. Okay, so double the size from... 19- Actually, more than double the size. What was um, your graduating size? 140, 140 people in my graduating class. Did you, and you probably knew all of them. Uh, and of that 140... Who started I, from I, kindergarten? I would say 90, what you're say 90 of that 140 went through all of the Fluvanna Elementary schools. There were probably 50 additional um, in that time. And dude, I would bet, this is a great topic for a talk show, I would bet the graduating class of that 363 or 364 that graduated this year, I would bet the... I don't want to say lion's share, but I would bet a good percentage of that graduating class maybe got into Fluvanna County at middle school or high school because their parents moved in for an affordability. I'd agree with that, yeah. Um, Carly Wagner watching the program. For your information, they are floating a new concept of rural crossroad communities to expand growth into rural areas beyond the the long-established development districts. They want public input on that right now. Um, That's good stuff from from Carly. Neil, that was a great comment from her. Um, Lonnie Murray. Um, Lonnie Murray commenting strictly as a citizen. Um, He said, Scott just mentioned a point I've said for years. The problem is Fluvanna has too much residential development, but no one shops there. That causes an infrastructure deficit. He wants your take on that. Uh, Yeah, so that's why uh, people live for convenience. And whether that is how they... uh, It's what... Part of what makes what I do 
so great for the people that I work for. And, I, and by that, I mean my clients. Uh, if you look at uh, my, the reviews that exist and how I, we want, once you enter the mortgage world, for you to feel like this was some painless thing that you gave us some docs, we did the work, you get to the end, you sign some papers, and that was it. So many people feel that uh, you know, they get dragged through the mud, there's, there's so much difficulty in this process, and the goal for us is for you to feel like, wow, this was an amazingly painless thing, and thank you so much for helping us. And, and that translates to everything we do in our lives, the way you get your oil changed. Um, do you get a car wash? Do you not get a car wash? Where do you grocery shop? And if you work in Charlottesville and you pass Fifth Street Station or you're out near Trader Joe's, um, it's the reason that you might go to Sam's Club versus Costco. There, it's, it's what, where do you get gas? Are you willing to pay th- 30 cents more per gallon because you don't have to cross town for where it's listed at 299 instead of 330. Convenience matters. And the reason that Fluvanna has not done a great job um, is because, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, uh, they haven't seen that most people, it's a bedroom community for Charlottesville and somewhat Richmond, and when they're leaving work they want to swing by the grocery store get that done and then then sitting in that mile and a half long line to get inside of monish gate instead and on 53 uh versus having to then go to the grocery store and then come back that it's there's a convenience factor that's just not thought of and maybe there's not an easy solution to that but it's certainly not making the county look like a a strip mall paradise Um, but at the same time but finding some way to build retail in and I know every developer pitches to them that we're going to put these houses in there'll be some sort of mixed use we'll have you know this setup but how do you make that tangible to tax it in 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 a way that is beneficial for the county um Scott's on fire right now he's getting props from a happy customer uh Yvonne is watching the program Yvonne congratulations she purchased a home in Richmond um with financing a financing vehicle from Scott's branch Ross Mortgage she says I can 100% agree that working with Scott Morris felt absolutely effortless you're getting a positive testimonial from a happy client live on air for a first time home thank you thank you um in Richmond Virginia Um, Albert Graves, hello. Kevin Higgins, hello. Lauren Linsky and Keswick, hello. Heather Bangley, hello. Travis Hackworth is watching in Danville. Jamie Turner repping the pep in Culpepper. Aaron um, is watching the program King, the Queen of Scottsville. Carrie Griggs, my boy. Danville is blowing up, by the way. Dan Dan Vegas. It's Dan Vegas. Danville, I... Travis, you're going to love to hear this. You're more than just VIR. Danville, you're more than just VIR. There you go. There you go. You're going to love to hear this, Travis Hackworth. If there's a region or a jurisdiction that I'm most bullish of in the entire Commonwealth, it's Danville and Dan Vegas. Travis Hackworth, Lee Vogler, Caesars Casino, Easy Develop, Adora, a beer garden on the downtown mall. On the downtown of Danville? Yeah. I mean, they're effing crushing it right now. Um, I'm trying to keep up with the comments. They're coming in extremely quickly right now as we're live on every social channel out there. We'll give some props to your friend, Michael Mayhew, watching the program right now. Um, Thank you for your service, sir. Fantastic individual. Absolutely, Michael. Um, this has come in. 
Why does Scott think that rates will get into the fives by the end of the year, specifically from Spencer? Because if you were listening to the, the beginning of the show, I believe there is a blind eye being turned to the level of unemployment that exists um, in the United States and that the numbers that we're seeing have been so fudged to how they're calculated that the we have a gig economy like look jump into like jump into reddit and like look at the and uh, like some of the the work reform groups and you know some of it's trash like i mean it's an online forum so some. yeah um a bulk of it is but folks uh, are underemployed uh, people are underemployed yeah so that when they fall into the gig economy, they have a harder time getting out. These are your DoorDashers, your Ubers, your Lyft drivers, um, uh, you know, Uber Eats. The, that, that resume experience is not going to help them probably get a nine-to-five, which and, is what he's alluding to. And so, But then they also can't file for unemployment when their car breaks down and then they can't deliver the, their, the product. Uh, they can't do their job. Um, and then you've got a number of people who, who fall off of the unemployment payroll, if you will, um, through time because there is a timetable to it. But what we're seeing, but we're seeing unemployment claims grow. So you're seeing unemployment claims grow in a number where people fall off of it along with an entire in the shift to a gig economy in the last five years to people who can't qualify in most states for unemployment under regular rules anyways. So we're saying that we're at full employment now, but we know unemployment's growing. We're starting to see a softening in uh, wage increases for the, for the first time in the last 24 months. So we've got companies who are no longer increasing that. We're seeing an increase in credit um, utilization. So people are carrying higher credit card debt, and we're seeing a, the lowest savings amounts that we've seen in 36 months. So if you take all of those things into consideration, the economy itself is slowing, which in turn will slow inflation because people can't afford uh, the discretionary spending that they had before. Uh, and the the rate increases are beginning, are really starting to take effect. You've got an entire section of commercial real estate that is an absolute, like, the, if that, that's your canary in the coal mine right there. Regional banks that's in particular. That's owned by regional banks regional in particular. Banks. Yeah. So as those things start coming due, we're starting to see foreclosures increase. Now, this isn't like some black, that's not, the foreclosure thing is just the matter of that they're just now being able to tell these people who haven't been paying, yo, we're taking the real estate back so we can resell it. It's not going to greatly impact any specific region on the residential side. On the commercial side, these regional banks who own all of this commercial real estate were where people shifted to work from home, drive to Northern Virginia, look at the signs in these huge buildings, your, your huge sign here for free if you can fill this floor. It's not just a problem in Northern Virginia. It's a problem in Richmond. It's a problem in New York. It's a problem in the, it's, the West Coast is, is, is suffering from it. San Francisco. Like an absolute, uh, that's, that's your pandemic. That's your pandemic. There's your, you're saying that's the... Uh, I'm saying that could be your... I, I'm, calling, call the, uh, I'm calling it the canary in the coal mine. Okay. That could be your future black swan. That could be the, the thing that, that makes the Fed act more aggressively um, is 
because there's going to be a time, some of these leases, and, and what everybody's going to say um, on the other end is that, well, some of these long, they've, they've budgeted some of this in. They'll be able, you know, they're, they're still receiving monies from some of these companies even though nobody's showing up. There's a timeline on that. Um, once these things, some of them are long-term leases, so that's, that's going to layer that to where, but if the banks aren't getting paid, they're having to eat it somewhere, and they're, they're moving the money somewhere, and it, it's going to show up. But uh, all of those things combined is a slowing in the economy that will eventually find its way into the bond market. And while I am the first to say things don't happen as quickly as we would like them to, that's why I'm saying we're still two, three quarters away from the bond market beginning to price these things in. And once they do, that's finding its way to mortgage rates. I, I am also worried about commercial, the regional banks, and the loans on their balance sheets. We talk San Francisco. There's a mall um, by the name of Westfield. What's Mall of America doing now? That's a great question. The mall, the largest shopping district in San Francisco, the mall operator Westfield, legitimately just gave the keys to the building to the lender and said, we owe you somewhere like $600 million. Just keep our property. We're not going to pay you the $600 million. What's Simon Properties' book of business look like? Uh, that's a great question as well. I don't have that information for you. I do know that Park Hotels and Resorts had two hotels in San Francisco, Union Square and Park 55. And Park Hotels, which is based out of Northern Virginia, went to their lender and said, the politics is impacting the demand here in San Francisco here are the keys to our two hotels. We're not going to give you the money for the loan we owe you. Just take our buildings back. That's happened three times in mega fashion in San Francisco. That's like, so that's like the, the people who think they, can, they, they drive the car back to the car lot and say, hey, you guys can keep it. I, I can't afford it anymore. That happens. We know that happens. There's a business locally that sells the same car a number of times. Um, We're not going to go down that road. We don't have to go down that road. It is an option for people that have bad credit. I know that's what you're going to say, this business. And I'll also say that, um, yeah, they also have a... They provide value. uh, For someone looking to get in and like who has no other options, that is their option. And they have a 20% default rate among their clients. So let's, let's, you know... I'm not throwing shade. And... And the, the operator of that business is running for a political office and is a good dude. And I will stand on that and come on a, a different show and talk about that. T.J. Fadley is who is he, who's he's uh, referencing. T.J. is running um, for, in fact, I'll add a friend. I'll, I just friend requested T.J. He's running for the Rivanna seat, Albar County, the Board of Supervisors. We're talking Freebridge, and I am not throwing shade. They provide value proposition for a niche of the market that may not have the best credit, and they're able to get in a vehicle here into Scott's Point, only one one out of five defaults. Some say that's high. I say that's business. I say that's how the market works. Okay, I'm not throwing shade by any means here. I guess the point if I would... Ally Bank, BB&T, any of these others that do auto... Or University Credit Union had a one in five default rate, their interest rates would be astronomical. 100%. You're 100% right. Everything you're saying is right. You and I, same mindset here. The point I was making was the regional banks here, we're seeing in San Francisco two major players, the mall and park hotels, say, we don't want this. You can keep the buildings. We're not going to pay it back. You mentioned the regional banks. I'm also worried. The values of a lot of these commercial buildings are tied to their rent rolls. When rents become... 
when, when vacancies become prolific in commercial buildings, the rent rolls aren't as appealing. When the rent rolls aren't as appealing, the values of the businesses, the buildings drop. When the values of the buildings drop, the regional banks say, holy crap, we have uh, outstanding loans here on properties that are not the same value when we, when we appraised the building and gave them the money on it. It's legitimately a clustered duck, quack, 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 on the horizon here. How worried are you about this? That's part, it's all part, that's why I'm calling it the canary in the coal mine. I'm saying that if that is your, that could be your first trigger to enough to where the Fed goes, whoa, whoa, all right, uh, maybe our target isn't 2% for inflation, maybe it's three now, let's, let's, let's start walking this back a little bit. When those things begin to happen for what I do and for inventory and for residential real estate, it's a boon because unless tight credits, unless um, access to money is tightened, access to money is going to tighten, but it's going to happen in. So the people who are looking to, can I open another credit card with a zero card balance with a 0% balance and roll over into that? And they go, no, bro, you can't get another credit card. That's where your tightening is going to be. It's not going to be in residential more. It would not be anywhere near as significant in residential mortgage lending. And if it did, the first people would be affected would be non-QM banks, not residential, not your traditional Fannie Freddie backed uh, mortgage lending. Okay, that's good. That's an important point to uh, emphasize. Basically, you're saying a lot of the regional banks that may be impacted by this tightening, these aren't necessarily the major players with financing housing. Correct. Okay, so that's a clear, clear cut um, we want to emphasize that. We want to emphasize that to the viewers and listeners. Um, this one's come on the feed here. Can Scott speak to Jerry's comment earlier in the week about the lack of acreage in Almoro County under one acre with available lots? I talked about this with our developer um, client on a conference call recently. I mentioned to him there's only two lots in Almoro County one acre and under. John Blair put this on my radar. Actually, John, I love you, man. You're watching the show. I mentioned this to my developer client. He's got four lots that are two acres plus, and it's an opportunity for him with two acres plus because there's only two lots, one acre below in Almar. Well, I've talked about this for for many, many months, that uh, your, your... one to five acre lot small builder developments are going to be your most successful path for new construction growth. That's explain that. So, and Albemarle County aside, I mean, Fluvanna, Green, uh, anywhere where uh, a builder who does between, let's call it five and 20 homes per year can go in, um, buy a house build a house, sell a house. And whether that's using a construction uh, loan from a bank and a borrower or whether they're financing it and then selling it turnkey at the end themselves, bottom line is that is where your most opportunity for new construction growth in the area is because so many uh, municipalities are object to uh, large development growth. It's just my opinion. Oh, I think you saw it with Fairchild's book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Fairchild straight up said on this set that he's not going to approve any new development in Fluvanna. Um, and it seems like a sentiment that's pretty much shared by the board. Um, so I don't think he's unique. And to Fairchild's 
I give props to the man. He said when campaigning he would do this. Well, he told know, everyone. He's been authentic. Look, part of that, what do they do? You know, you, you put more rooftops, you increase taxes. Like my dad. My, you know, Your dad uh, lives in Fluvanna? Dad still lives in Fluvanna um, and seen a 100% uh, increase in assessed value. Is he, st- is he working? Is he retired? Uh, he's retired. Okay. And, so that affects him. Uh, yeah, so that affects him. But, uh, but also, you know, he, his, you know why, why do I have to pay taxes for people who live at Lake Monticello? I've heard other people say that too. And so if you're not bringing in any other form of revenue. 90% of the county, 90% plus, is funded by taxes on rooftops. Yeah. So, so if you're not, like Louisa didn't do that. Um, Zion's Crossroads yeah. is a good example. It's a, it's a, how would you characterize it? A bustling commerce epicenter. Yeah. Uh, uh, a retail and a commercial hub. hub. Yeah. yeah. On the interstate. Yeah. Now they have the advantage it's of the water. It's not just the- a Crescent Inn anymore, baby. <laughs> no. It's not just... Well, once we saw Walmart and Lowe's, we knew it was going to go bananas. They do have the advantage of the proximity to the interstate and the water, though. Right. How do they get that? Well, you know more about this than I do. Okay. You sincerely know more about this than I do. I'm, I'm new to this topic here. Okay. Well, I can tell you that it started 30 years ago, and Fluvanna was, you know, like, just, you know, oh, sure, we'll sell them. And it's, anyways, I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> I know. This is one that, this is one that rankles uh, Mr. Morris here on the program. All right. Different topic. I'll adapt to you. What do we need to learn? You read a boatload of stuff. You listen to a boatload of stuff. You know a boatload of people. What knowledge needs to be out to the community here? And I'll adapt to your commentary. If you're somebody who is wondering why I should buy a house right now and you don't already own one, you are continuing to put money into someone else's pocket where you can get in. The the conversation is there is no answer to the inventory problem in the next 10 years. Your house is going to continue to appreciate. Your property is going to continue to appreciate in value. You are going to continue to build equity just by owning something. So to, to not do it because tell me everybody who I talked to four years ago who was telling me, no, we're, we're, waiting, for the, we're waiting for everything to come down. Where, how do they feel right now? How, would, how are you going to feel three years from now when you're waiting for things to come down as if we see rates come down and the price just continues to grow? If you're in it, you own it, it builds the first bridge to you taking the next step, to you having some equity, finding generational wealth, creating something for the rest of your family. Why are you not doing that? What does it take to make, is it a conversation? Do you want a phone call? Like, call me, call, I'll get you in touch with one of my real, realtor partners. We'll show you what this looks like. We can show you how obtainable this is. Do you have a 401k that we can tap into to use for your down payment or to help with closing costs? What does building a plan for you look like? Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, wh- what do you need to get started uh, outside of operating from a place of fear of no? Like, that's, that's the big thing. Um, another question, Kelsey, 
Um, you said, Jerry, that Scott has Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Virginia, and D.C. as his book of business. Can he break down which areas are performing the best from inventory sold and which areas are performing the worst and why? That's a great question. Uh, Virginia and North Carolina, uh, I don't do a ton in Pennsylvania. I've got a builder that I work with up there. Um, but uh, Virginia and North Carolina seem to be the place where people want to be. What do you think that is? And then which specific, I think she's looking for actually like zip codes or... Richmond. Why? Just because it's got a boatload of inventory? Uh, and pricing, depending on, like there's some, there's still investor opportunities depending on where you want to be. Um, it, it's just, I mean, and it's an awesome, I, I love Richmond. Uh, Richmond's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Richmond's big city with a small town feel. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can be on the West End and then be out into very, very rural very quickly, or you can be in the city and you got pony pasture, you got the, you know, got legit class four rapids in the middle of the city for kayakers and that sort of thing. It's just a, it's a really cool town. So that's the hottest part of your business right now? Uh, it's, I'll call it the, it can, it can be the, the, the easiest low hanging fruit. Yeah, for for buyers, like it's they you it's easier to find success than in some other areas where uh, it's just more challenging uh, as far as number of offers per per unit. I love it. Viewers and listeners, put the comment in the feed. You got more people singing your praises, um, including Spencer saying, this show is great. Thank you guys for doing this today. Scott is literally on every social media, text, DM, email, call him. Dude works, I don't want to say you work 24-7, but you pretty do, pretty much do work 24-7. I like to tell people I'm always available in some capacity. Yeah, I'm same. I mean, such is the life of a small business owner. I got some shade thrown to me the other day for saying that I haven't taken a vacation in a long time. And I'm like, this is what you got to do if you want to go where you want to go. Um, I, I just got back from a vacation um, that was really kind of like also doing some worky work. Yeah, you were working but, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and much more stressful for me trying to... I. <laughs> I hate being on vacation because you don't have your uh, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, not your routine or habits. Yeah, and uh, it, to me, it's much more. While I'm in a different place and it's cool and I got a little sunshine, it's like a different my, level of my my anxiety level is yeah. like fucking redlining all yeah. the entire time. <laughs> Dude, same same with me. Um, it's the dance we have to navigate with the better house. And our children, as they get older and making memories, I feel the exact same. And I know some folks are saying, you guys sound ridiculous. This is the life we've chosen, and this is why we've been successful. This question has come in um, as a follow-up from Thomas, who's watching in Williamsburg, my hometown. Have the investors gotten back into the game yet? Do you know why traffic is always so bad when there's nothing, like two exits? No. Like going. And like, Williamsburg? Yeah, like on 64, you've gotten through the tunnel, you left Virginia Beach, and then everything stops and there's no accident. Are they trying to get into like the one Virginia rest stop on the right? The, right there? Like what, what, what is going on? Hampton Roads, the Hampton Coliseum, as you go from Hampton to Newport News to Williamsburg, often is a cluster dot quack, quack, quack. They've narrowed the interstate there. They clearly have to have more lanes there always seems to be an issue let's cut to the chase hampton roads has a boatload of people yeah, yeah a boatload of people which is causing it your thoughts on investors getting back in the game he follows up with the comment by saying a couple of months this is how like a couple months ago this is how people literally watch this okay a couple of months ago he said investors weren't playing anymore are they back in the game some are um 
investors are, I'm, from what I'm seeing, really, really focusing on off-market properties. Like, uh, if it's coming to market, uh, there's, there's, less, there's less appetite. Because they're paying full retail. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, there's, so the, so you're getting, the who do you know, the who do you know and how do you go about it game is, is even more important than it's ever been because, so pocket listings before they come to market or even outside of, uh, that sphere. Um, you know, are you talking to who I would start with? Who are your service level business people, plumbers, roofers, etc., um, who interact with uh, homeowners who may have a piece of property uh, that's been inherited or they've moved into through a different channel or owned and and who get called to do work on properties that then can communicate to you what else is what's out there as an investor that may be an opportunity for you that's probably the best um explanation that i have but rather than the inventory that is coming to market through a realtor specifically that's going to have you know first-time home buyers you know trying to figure out a plan to make it work for them and three other investors trying to figure out if it's going to cash flow um, on point. The follow-up to that would be the message for the community. You did a post on social about investors and landlords. I did. Um, and it got a lot of traction. It did. It did. Uh, and part of that is some individual outreach for for them. I'm trying to. One of the things I'd like to do is create a better community uh, for people who own property to communicate, uh, kind of where their wins and losses are. Uh, advice for people who are trying to get into uh, invest property investment being you know own owning your first investment property what does that look like uh, what are the challenges uh, that other people have faced in doing it uh, is it a long-term rental or short-term rental are these Airbnb owners or do they own it in a vacation community do they you know uh, are, are these uh, townhouses or single-family rural or urban, just advice for people trying to get started to pay, allow people a network to communicate that. And then at the same time, if there's any turnover, someone who wants to get rid of something, creating some opportunities for uh, both borrowers and realtor partners. Scott Morris on absolute fire today. One hour flies. Let's offer some closing commentary anywhere you want to go. Um, this potential sizzle waiting to happen here. So when I talk about, uh, Canary in the coal mine and black swan events. I don't mean this as some like harbinger of uh, of terrible, terrible news for for everyone. What I mean is these there's already very real things that are happening uh, in the economy that aren't being reflected in the bond market for various reasons, but they're out there. And as they do come into effect, we're going to see better rates. Better rates will take people who currently own a house that have a lot of equity and create a bridge to the next property because they can make it make sense for them, and that's more inventory. And there's a reason that the people who, the, 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 the professional forecasters, have given fourth quarter of this year uh, the greatest uh, um, amount of opportunity 
for people in the industry. That's where they see the most activity. And it's because we're going to enter a lower rate environment. Uh, there's a reason that uh, I was encouraging borrowers when things first broke into the sevens uh, and everything slowed down, the opportunity to get seller concessions to take a 2-1 buy down so that you'd have a year or two to kind of wade through a lower rate and then be able to refinance at a lower rate. And we're getting there. You know, we haven't even reached 12 months. We're month seven, month eight since that kind of conversation started. But we're getting there. And if you're somebody who's out there who's looking to take the first step, call me, call a realtor, have the realtor call me. Let's get together and create a plan for you to get into a home. There you go. That was the best one right there. Let's leave with that one, J-Dubs. When we get that one out today, that one's fantastic. Uh, dude, you crushed it. Um, for those that are asking, Keith is doing a keynote presentation in Virginia Beach. Um, Scott Morris, Ross Mortgage, absolutely crushed it. How do people contact you? Um, anyway. Smoke signals, you know, DM. Tin cans and yarn. Well, yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, man. Do you remember, uh, which movie was it? Was it like Three Ninjas? You and I are basically the same age. It was like Colt, Tum Tum, and the, other, the three boys protecting their house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were communicating with tin can and yarn with the cute girl next door. That's what that made me think of. Scott and I are basically the same age, so we grew up watching the same content. Uh, people are giving you props on the watch. I think that's a new watch right there for Scotty Mo. Um, it's yeah. I don't it's, think you've worn it on the show before. I may have may have worn it once on the show. It's uh, so Omega put out this uh, uh, this line with Swatch uh, earlier last last year. Okay. Um, and uh, they were difficult to get, but they're inexpensive because they're like it, it's like a, a, it's they're, it's like a, their actual Speedmaster line, but in this uh, other like less expensive plastic version, but they're cool. They're nice. They're, they're a neat little collection. You're literally getting props on the watch. I love it. Um, Ross mortgage, Scott Morris, Ross mortgage, Scott Morris, contact the man. He will help you get into a home that you guys are going to love. He had a killer may of production. Um, so folks are buying and selling homes. They're just doing it with trusted advisors that have been in this game that have the infrastructure in place and have the knowledge to offer. It's not happening with, with, with um, a lot of the folks that are new to the game. This guy's been around for a long time. Scott Morris and Ross Morgan. She crushed it. So I, did, I left the beard because I thought it would give us like 10 minutes of talking points today and we never touched it. Do we so want to talk about the beard? No, 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 no. It was just, I like it, the beard. I, it was strictly there because I came back from vacation and I was, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday. You're a little, uh, you're a little windburnt from the vacation, yeah, a little yeah. sunburnt from the vacation. Yeah, yeah. And they were, like, uh, they were like, what's up the beard? I was like, I don't know what Jerry and I are going to talk about tomorrow, so I'm going to leave it in case we need something. So is, is the beard coming off today? Well, the, the, be- the most important question is how, does, be gone by next week. how does the wife feel about the beard? So uh, I've actually had it. T- I mean, my wife hates the beard. Um, my I, beard. I look. I, it gets too wild. I look too much like a leprechaun. So <laughs> we try to. You know, this is about as bad as it gets. Sheila <laughs> is laughing over here. Um, Judah and Scott, the best beard game in Central Virginia. That's the show. It's Real Talk with Keith Smith, archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com, presented by Ross Mortgage and Scott Morris. The I Love Seville show is up in approximately one hour. Truly a joy to showcase people like Scott on a network like this where it's long-form content and you get to know what the dude is all about. You can trust him, guys. For Judah and Scott, my name is Jerry Miller. So long, everybody. Scott, that was a breeze, dude. Awesome. Dude, good job. You got plenty of sizzle content there.